You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Bashera. In studio, we got Stephen Lewis. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, guys, what's going on? Stevie Lou Comedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm ex- I, very few people come up to me and talk about the podcast and get me excited. You got me excited when you mentioned this movie. So, why don't you talk about uh, a, a very uh, kind of a lost gem of the 80s that you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, of um, I'm an actual fan of the show. I listen to the podcast. Uh, it's not fucking time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, you, you guys have a lot of great guests on, so it's an honor to be here. Oh, we appreciate it, man. But yeah, I, I, we talked about a couple movies, actually, at first, but we decided on Enemy Mine. Yeah. M-I-N-E. M-I-N-E. Mm. 1985, another 1985. We just keep we're like stuck in 1985, which is great. It just shows you like how awesome the decade it was, was. A golden era for sure. Of um, movies. But science fiction film, a movie that's kind of got forgotten. So we talked about. Uh, so Dennis Quaid is somebody we're definitely going to talk about. So he's the star of this movie, but he because he also did this other movie. Uh, Dreamscape, Dreamscape, which, which is, is another movie yeah. that I that nobody remembers that I right. think is amazing, and he did these movies back to back. Right, and um, so we we talked about both those movies. I was like, I was. Stewie knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Stevie. Stevie. I, 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 get, I get confused with Stewieville yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, just, Stevie Lou, I just, Stewieville. I'm literally doing with a, a show with Stewie like later today. So he, both of you guys are on Dude, my mind. I remember right when I first started comedy, I ran into him and I was like, Stewieville, Stevie Lou, this isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, and we're problem. completely different comedians and we have no Either that or you guys start, you start a comedy duo or something. Yeah. Just to, <laughs> but, um, no, but yeah, so, so um, yeah, tell me why you... I mean, you definitely know movies. Yeah, you're I mean, a nerd, well, which is great. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm 36 years old, so uh, that movie came out when I was a kid. It was one of those movies, like a lot of the other movies you've had on, that was on HBO or Channel 11 right. all yeah, the time, right, yeah. uh, which is a common theme. But I also, I worked at Blockbuster Video when oh, I no was shit. in high school. That was like one of my first uh, main gigs. I worked at night at Blockbuster, so yeah. I was just kind of like that Quentin Tarantino style where just diving deep into whatever yeah. I get my fucking hands on. So well, I know, sci-fi. Um, I know maybe you're like the fourth comic I know that used to work at Blockbuster. It's a trend, <laughs> huh? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I, what do you think, like, do you think comics are, do we all want to be movie stars or? I think is more, it, more musicians, I think, right? Sure. Well, I've found, a, it's funny because before I got into comedy, I was big into music uh, just as a fan and I uh, got to meet a lot of musicians through working uh, in the music industry. I used to work at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh, nice. wow. Great Europe. venue. Who did uh, you get to meet? Who were some of the highlights? Uh, so we got to see Tenacious D oh, God, there yeah. before. We saw Danzig perform oh, shit. backstage. Uh, I'm a big fan of this band called the Disco Biscuits. Yep. I, yeah, know I know them. them. Yeah. I know. But the funny thing is, so what, what I was trying to say is that like a lot of musicians want to be comedians because yep. you'll see like in between songs at yep. a live show they'll like yeah. crack little jokes they think they're fucking yeah. hilarious and a lot of comedians want to be vice versa oh definitely I yeah. was watching Um, you guys know this new uh, Bob Dylan documentary that just I, came out I, it just came out yes yeah, so I, I was never a huge Dylan guy I actually am starting to now get into Dylan and I'm this I'm I just, no, I just turned 40 
I'm glad that there's stuff that it's still new to me. Right. If that makes sense. Because I, I like my impulse is to like get all of it. You know what I mean? And want to know everything and see everything and read everything. But I'm glad that at 40 years old, there's still music and, and art and stuff that I'm like, oh, this is brand new to me. And Dylan, like, I obviously I know the Dylan that everybody knows in pop culture, but like the. That the, specific the, era, if, if I'm yeah, correct, it's about the Rolling Thunder Review era yeah, seven, where he like painted, painted his face yeah. white and all that yeah. and had like, you know, he was t- doing different versions of old classic songs of his, kind of changing them up, amping them up, yeah. uh, bringing an ensemble cast in to work with them, just and to try to change it up, which is cool. So I, was, so I was never a music guy. I always, my music uh, completely depends on who I'm hanging out with. So I lived in Chicago in my early 20s. I had two friends that were really into music. So I saw all the up and coming bands just because they took me. And when I was in college, I had a friend, Tim McCabe, and he played Isis for me. Sure. That And that became one Incredible. of my favorite songs. Yeah. And so that song is from that. He yes. wrote that song during that tour, and then it became right. came out on the next album. Nothing to do with Isis out uh, no, 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 in ISIS the Middle East now. No, Isis as in a unfortunate title. Like a Greek, like Greek <laughs> Nobody's mythology. Nobody's head gets cut off. Yeah, I always other. think about girls named Isis. Like, yeah. There's a lot of them. Yeah, a friend there's of mine's a, daughter is named Isis. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But a lot just, of porn stars <laughs> take Isis as their first name. Seeing that tour stuff, just the lifestyle, being on the road, like it's it. they mesh really well comedy and music. Music. Well, Peter, I don't know if you know. Do you know? I used to. Uh, I I was in bands all throughout high school. I, I was a big. Uh, we played Warp Tour once. Alex we did is a sneaky musician. Yeah, I had a gig, gig last yesterday. night. Yeah, it doesn't tell me night. anything about it. I find about it on the internet. I don't. I don't broadcast the music thing really because it's just like I don't know. What I do right now is I'll just play cover songs in a cafe with like uh, this girl Emma Emma Curry Smith. She's great. Uh, great singer. Um, but like, it's not, you know, my original stuff anymore, but we used to back in high school and college, I had, you know, we've done full albums. Um, I've been in multiple bands. I, I play bass, guitar, nice. piano, you know, I didn't want to be, I play. I tr- fucking love playing music. I never was in, I was in like the jazz band in high school. I played trombone, but music wasn't my thing. I was a skateboarder as a sure. kid and a lot of this stuff came out and I, and it's funny cause I was thinking recently, cause I still, I go on like Instagram and I watch like skateboarding videos, yeah. like YouTube. And I think comedy and skateboarding kind of fit really well together too, because it's you're you're kind of a loner. You do it you do it alone, but you have a team. You have and everybody has like a spot. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to like win best skater. Oh right, it's not so, like winning the championship. That makes sense, yeah. You can be a guy who like you have your following. I have my following. My deck comes out this year. Right. Your signature sneaker comes out this year, and we all have our little niche. And everybody, everybody can do well and 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 be part of the world and like the lifestyle without having to be like you know the number one guy. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. More, and it's a and it's a style thing. You might like a skater just because their style is a certain way. There's sure. no there's no best. And I think in comedy that's really true. Like it's some some people just resonate with you stylistically, and sure. other people don't. I think I think that's a cool. I because w- I was like really in my head about like oh my god, there's there's only so many comedians that make it, and there's not enough. There's too many comedians right now. And then right. I like started looking at skateboard. And I was like oh, there's all these guys. Like everybody has their own deck. You know, everybody has like, like their each wheel sponsor. Park is like a different club or yeah, scene, yeah. kind of like the Grizzly Pair and again, like, is, and and you, you know, don't like have Lantern. to have one favorite skater. You know, right. you can have ten favorite skaters because yeah. you have different styles. So you might have a ramp guy yeah. who's like a storyteller comedian versus sure, uh, yeah. like you know a freestyle guy yeah. who's more like a Greer uh, or you know somebody who like a Big J Okerson sure. who's yeah. crowd all crowd work or Which Aaron like Aaron, Aaron Berg. Berg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- those are like shout my out to Aaron Berg. Those are like my favorite comedians, man. I love like guys that can riff. And just be naturally funny on stage. Oh, and dude! So I, I mean, like, not that I don't appreciate good writing, but I feel like the best. Like, I'll watch a special in a theater, and that's a, that's great for you know Anthony Jeselnik, who's like a brilliant writer. Brilliant. But like, 
if I'm in a comedy club with like low ceilings and like 40 other people and like, I want to see big J Okerson murder, dude. I yeah. want to see Aaron Berg destroy. So I, know? so I, uh, Aaron's not my, I, not my buddy. I wish he was my buddy. I, okay, <laughs> Aaron's I, a buddy. Aaron's mine. a yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Mine. Yeah. Yeah. Except I, for uh, Peter. So. I, had, <laughs> I had seen him, I had seen him around and then, uh, and then I opened, I, I, there's a club I work in Pennsylvania that I was talking about. Wisecrackers. Yeah. That I MC at and he was a headliner. So it's funny cause we were going to, we were gonna meet up this Saturday to go to dinner before the show, and then he's like, "Actually, I'm I'm meeting with some friends." He goes, "Come by." He goes, "Just don't mention that you are I are a comedian." comedian yeah. And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "All right, I'll tell them that I moved out here and I'm, I'm a farmer now." And he's because he's like he said he goes uh, say that we used to play softball together in Queens. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Right. So I get there and there's like 15 people sitting at a table, and what I realized pretty quickly is that one guy knows Aaron. And his buddies with him, they're all going to the show, but none of us have, none of them have any idea that Aaron is the comedian. Uh, so he didn't want them to be like, "Oh my god, you're the comedian." It takes away from the experience. Yeah. So we're just sitting there, like two guys, like meeting some people, and there's a lady, and she collects mannequins, like that's her thing, like dresses them up, puts makeup on them. <laughs> that's fucking horrifying. <laughs> She's she was kooky, and uh, she Ugh. told the story. I guess they had a they had a house on the water in Jersey, and when Sandy happened, their house flooded. Mm. And the cops came in, and they, <laughs> they found the mannequin floating under the desk, and they thought oh. it was her husband. So dead. they gave it CPR and yeah, shit. They like freaked out, and, and the, the mannequin's name is Leonard. And she told us his story at dinner, and then they're all in the audience. The funny thing is, like, they're like, "Hey, Aaron, do you want to come to the comedy show?" And he goes. No, you know, sometimes I get offended you know, I'm, because I'm worried that maybe the comedian's a little dirty. I'm going to get offended. And they're like offended. And they're like, I was like, she's going to lose her shit when she finds out. Yeah, so great. So they get up and they're the, all 15 people are in the audience. And he like, he yeah. like shouts them out and he goes, I just heard this amazing. And he tells the mannequin story. And I'm like, I don't think you can just top it, but he does. He just, it was so fucking funny. That's strange it dinner was, party uh, material to break out, you know, yeah. Leonard and the yeah, what the floating hell? This dead is a crazy bitch. Yeah. 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 I mean, shout out to her. She probably made it a good show and everything. And I, because I was like, I was like, oh, this could, I mean, what if they like take offense? Yeah. But they were so cool about it. Like, they were so excited to be roasted in the show. Right. You know what I mean? Aaron so, is a roaster. Some people, like, they're like, they just, they want to yeah. be shit on by a comedian, and he just, it's it, funny. Aaron has a character, Isis. I won't say the other oh, part of the yeah, name yeah. <laughs> to bring license again. Yeah. Uh, but to go back to the um the whole like different types of uh, like the rifters versus the writers, mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of a sad thing that happened to me once I really started you know working uh like, p- dedicating my life to comedy. You go back and you see like a George Carlin, a guy that I loved as a kid. I would just go back, Same. back flip ape shit over. But then once you start to like kind of like see the side of comedy, I'm like starting to see how he he framed everything perfectly and was a like syllable counter oh yeah you know and that kind of like he was i actually i lost a little bit of Mm. like love which it was on wasn't intentional i still respect the guy and love him but then like a guy like prior on the other hand more of a riffer i I, I became even more infatuated with a guy who i loved but you know i have a similar thing where i had immense respect for (laughs) richard prior before i just started doing stand-up of course you know but i didn't I wasn't someone who would go back and watch all his specials and stuff. I was more of a Carlin fan. And when I became a stand-up, I um, slowly got way more into Pryor. Not that I'm not into Carlin, but Pryor just became... Once you start to see um, what people could do on stage with riffing or writing or whatever, 
you realize how great Pryor was. And then you realize when he was doing what he was doing and nobody else was doing it. Basically, he was the only guy going up and telling intimate personal details of his life that were true and just going up there basically off script doing that. Not afraid to Crushing. bomb. Crushing. Never Not afraid, afraid to, to bomb. bomb at first. Crushing. Uh, see, I was always it's a, so awesome. I was always it. a Pryor guy. I was never a Carly uh, guy. Uh, always wow. Pryor was like, to me as a kid, I was like, even like you know Superman Part Three and all that. Like I was so into yeah. Pryor. Like even the what about shitty like movie? Uh, hear no evil, see no evil. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Gene Wilder is a fucking yeah, genius. Yeah, those two. Uh, Stir then, crazy was probably yeah, but better, but still, yeah, yeah. Like a movie. See, hear no evil, see no evil. I probably have seen thirty times because it was always on television. Yeah, I saw that movie up, a lot when I was know? a kid. But speaking of that, we should go back to Enemy Mind. Yeah, we should. Well, <laughs> talking about going back and, and revisiting things from childhood, because this is a movie I only saw one time as a kid, but it really stayed with me. And the two things, so just to kind of explain it, it's science fiction, two fighters crash land on a planet, they're enemies. Yeah, Robin Caruso well, in space with two guys fighting each other yeah, uh, yeah. mixed in. And it's so, the you know, Louis Gossett Jr. plays basically like an amphibian He's, he's like an alien. They're called yeah. Drax. 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 Yeah. And and, and uh, which sounds like a derogatory term. Yeah. yeah it does, so it's so. funny. So we like we should get into this because it's like I I I have a soft spot for like like allegory like stories about racism and allegory. Like I was like when I watched like Mississippi Burning as a kid, I fucking cried. I was always so upset by that. And this movie is like a real. Cl- it's clearly an allegory. Yeah, tropes, tropes nonstop. But and- I, I do think it's funny because you know at that time I remember being a kid and they were like everybody's the same. We're all the same. And then they make a movie and it's like, the black people literally have to be aliens. And it's like, can't they just be right. like, like in order to teach people like everybody's the same, we're all equal. It's like, yeah, but you're a human and this guy's an alien and you gotta learn to love the alien. It's a, it's a weird like metaphor. It's like when people say like, I don't care if you're black, white or purple. It's like, well, purple's not real. How about if you just don't care about whatever anybody? You know what I mean? It's like it goes way far to the extreme. Well, yeah, I think I think that probably goes back to the original novella, like we had uh, talked before. How were uh, it, it was originally the movie was based was on this. based on you know I think it appeared in one of these Isaac Asimov uh, serials, became really popular, won a Hugo Award, and if you think about it, that's like one of those kind of, like uh, Ray Bradbury had a lot of that. Uh, Star Trek, the original series, had a lot of that, like right. the racial tension that was. Uh, still palpable in America, even though we're talking about '84 here, we're not far removed from you know the tension, the tension in the '70s, yeah. where like films like, um, like, like just like you were saying, like um, Night of the Living Dead, Planet of the Apes, these are like you know uh, clear films, uh, Cool Hand Luke stuff that like really showed in very creative ways the racial inequality and tensions that were yeah. still happening. Well, yeah, in this America. is basically you know so the. Uh, what I it was a little unclear to me at the beginning, but there's like a narration that kind of explains it in this movie. The human kind of explains it is a great way to put yeah. it. Yeah, it's not clear it's at little, all. It's a little <laughs> sloppy. Yeah, I mean, not that I, I enjoyed the movie, but um, and the, the voiceover only comes in like two, three times. Yeah, it's, I, not, I, it's I, not consistent. Not consistent. I was, yeah, there, it's so weird. It was there was like a voiceover, and then at some point. Dennis Quaid is doing voiceover for no reason. It's clearly, I and then think, at the end, there's like the God voice explaining the ending. <laughs> like, it was fuck? it was clearly added in post because I think they probably tested it and people were confused, <laughs> like a hundred percent. I mean, what what they changed directors midway through the filming? Well, I did yeah, some the beginning, yeah, yeah, me as well, yeah. Like um, Wolfgang Peterson was the director who, if you look back at Wolfgang's career, yeah, uh, I mean, short of like uh, two movies, like Shattered. I didn't know Shattered. I no. don't know, but that's the one that, that stuck out that I didn't see and uh, I never saw really Poseidon 
I was kind of out of no. going to see blockbusters, but everything else that he's made, well, Air Force has, One, Air was Force amazing. One, uh, In the Line of Fire, is Das amazing. Boot was his first yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Never Ending Story was his second film. Yeah, as well. Wait, so wait, was this was his set? Was this his first so American he had worked, film? He, uh, yes, yes. Uh, no, oh, no. Sorry, Never Ending Story would be his first American film. Das Boot was the German film. He's from Berlin, West yep. German, born in the forties in Germany. Yeah, so, wow. yeah. You know what that means. Uh-oh. There's a couple of those recently Uh-oh. I've seen that like people were born, like it's weird like to have a child yeah. in the middle of that is, is his pretty studios nuts. were out in West Germany I think like kind of I think they were called Bavaria Studios okay. up there okay. you know so maybe he he took off into the hills when shit was going. I've down. actually never seen Das Boot but I just put it on my Netflix queue like now Incredible. I'm like Incredible yeah it's, now it's I up really there see it. you know with obviously with all the submarine movies out there which yeah. there are quite a few <laughs> yeah I'd yeah. say it's my favorite. Submarine movie? Yeah, Over Crimson Tide and uh, Hunt for Red October, too. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one, yeah. But it was at Air Force One, uh, The Perfect Storm. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Outbreak. Yeah. This guy was a motherfucker. No, he's not. So so he was the director that took over, or was he the... Yes, Wolfgang did take over. there was an original director that they just gave the boot. I didn't really see much about that original guy. Yeah, no, me neither. He was going over budget. They were uh, yeah. They spent nine million dollars, and then the guy there. and the studio was like, "This yeah. sucks." Oh wow! Yeah, and also, yeah, yeah. so they, they had to hold over Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. while they were going through the change of director. Oh no and shit! And they, they changed like they were they were filming on like Budapest, yeah. and Iceland, and stuff like that. The yeah. original director, uh, who I, I mean, shout out to whoever that guy was. He didn't yeah. <laughs> didn't stick with me. But, Things uh, didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you can see, I mean, I think if looking back, whoever that studio head was over, at, I think Fox. Yeah. Who said, you know what? Let's cut this kid and give this Peterson German Nazi freak a chance. (laughs) Genius idea, you know. Although he, so here's the thing too. Never ending story was before this. That was a considered a success box office wise. This was not a success. Fucking box office. They spent Uh, uh, at the time forty million dollars, which at the time was a huge, uh, huge budget. And the opening weekend, I think they only made like one million back. It's pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, well, it's I mean, it's a movie with like two. It's only two actors for the most of the movie. It's two guys. I, I mean, I love this motif. Here's like, the thing, though. It should have succeeded. It, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's got a good story. It's a timeless story, like you said. It's um basically like Shakespearean, uh, just in the future. You just have uh the hu- humans warring with aliens, and they crash land, and basically have to figure out how to survive together on this yeah. foreign planet. Um, and there's a bunch of great scenes in the movie where like. It, the, the the whole first third of the movie is them kind of hating each other and yeah. trying to figure well, out. Well, I love it's like Dennis Quaid decides to uh, try it. So Louis Gossett Jr. is un- completely unrecognizable. He's like covered in makeup. He's got like uh, contacts on. The makeup is amazing. Yeah, really Tremendous great. costume. And, so he, and I remember years ago seeing an interview with him where he got the part because he, he knew, he's like, I like to scuba dive. And he does like the scuba diving voice. He just knows how to sound like he's underwater when he's talking. And that's literally what the voice he does. I, I heard too that he said no one else wanted the part because you'd be in a mask and yeah, like actors are so vain. Yeah. yeah so you, you can't see your face. So he was like, fuck it. I want it. He took it. So in the beginning of the movie, they crash land and you know, they're, they're fighting. They both crash land on the planet. And Dennis Quaid decides to set a lake on fire, on fire. to kill yeah. Louis Gunn. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, I'm like, that's extreme. And then they're like, but let's be friends now. It's like, it's a little. I was I was I was surprised at how intense. So he he sets the lake on fire and he also tries to kill him with a steak knife or yeah, something. He yeah, pulls yeah, out yeah. this like, bizarre buck knife like out of nowhere. It's just so a, really the alien like like he's yeah he's a scumbag Dennis Quaid in this movie. Yeah, is, Dennis yeah. Quaid is a scumbag that turns. Here's the thing that turns like 
basically compassionate by the end of the movie, obviously, uh, or even through the middle of the movie. But the humans in general are, are scumbags in this Shit, movie. Yeah. Yeah. The aliens are basically good and treated yeah. as slaves. We'll get into it. But like, right. um, the, it's a real like, like Dennis Quaid was obviously fed a bunch of propaganda about the war because uh, basically the war is uh, he, he mentioned something in the beginning of the movie in the narration that uh, the aliens, the, what are they called again? The uh, Drax. The Drax are, are uh, squatters? claiming squatters', squatters rights. rights. Yeah. And it's like, Great what line. do you mean squatters' yeah. rights? It's yeah. They're there. Yeah. And we're just going and doing our American, you know, human thing and, and manifest destiny. We've, we've see, uh, uh, investigated the star system and just assumed it's ours. So basically that's what's going it, it on. It seems like uh, Quaid's character would have been a Trump supporter. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Very Republican, very... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah speaking of which also like speaking of the trump thing which i'm not gonna get up but well, uh, well no, i'm not gonna get into politics at all this but <laughs> the one thing that was bugging me out about this movie i, I had to bring this up mm -hmm. is like uh the lizard people the drac race mm -hmm. uh that's like you know like uh, we've heard donald rumsfeld is a shape-shifting oh, right. person oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right this is like an alex i hate to go alex jones here you know but it seems like they were maybe predicting or maybe that was like a false flag you know, that maybe there was some, you know, black government operations that, like, you know, kind of helped push this movie over to, like, you know, just plant the seed of the lizard race. Well, it's people. funny because I was thinking, in, too, in Dreamscape, Dennis Quaid plays somebody who can go into people's dreams. And in one of the nightmares, there's a lizard that, that that's like a murderous lizard. The, yeah, the lizard man, I think, is like. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like literally. One of the, 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 one of the kids the, has a nightmare about this lizard man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's literally shit, like an man. existential yeah. fear. Like, I'm well, gonna get, those I'm gonna conspiracy theories exist back then because I, I, I wasn't alive, obviously. I don't know. No. Yeah, they were all. I think JFK is like one of the first. Well, JFK. So, I'm yeah, talking so, about the reptilian conspiracy oh, theory. I don't think people are check. actually yeah. lizards, by the way. I didn't, this is new to me. Oh, no. Like, well, I remember Louis C.K. once yeah. had Donald Rumsfeld. You on don't the know phone about this, Peter? On Opie and Anthony. It's and a he classic. asked him, yeah, do, do you eat children? Are you well, he basically person? goes, oh, wait, I do know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, there are people out there that think you're a lizard and uh, i just want to comment say, are yeah. you a lizard and he just and he gives the, <laughs> and he would, his answer, wouldn't answer. Yeah, he wouldn't. his answer was like well let me tell you a story and he tells this like story that's not related <laughs> and, and then sense. as he's telling the story uh you hear louie going he's a lizard so yeah i wouldn't be surprised right. and, and then also i gotta say too which uh, again it was clearly like a, a, a black versus white thing uh the Louis Gossett Jr. character, the Drac, uh, he's got like great style. He wears these like leather jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he also isn't prepared for winter. Well, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. So I was like, "Is he like West African or something like that? Is he from the Bahamas here? You know, wearing, uh, wearing the, like like silk, <laughs> but he could swim well. Matching you see that matching pants. He's a good and, swimmer. Yeah, yeah. So. I love. He dives in with no hands. Uh, so like head first. I like that move. Uh, um, yeah, no. It's it's again like what I remembered as a kid is um, when uh, you find out that his like his drac like scripture is the Bible. And right. I thought that was a cool idea. He's like, truth is truth. I like that idea. It was kind of like, like a Muslim. I felt like there was a bit of a Muslim kind of well, they're saying like uh, it's both like the, it. ta the Talmud. Yeah, like they're oh, both. Oh, so that, that's Jewish. Then they'll be Jewish. I think they said it's both. Well, it's that's just what like it's called. Talmud. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he, basically, he's reading. Uh, he's reading this book the the entire time. And Dennis Quaid's like, why? Why are you always reading that book? And he the um, he the alien reveals that it's basically their scripture. Yes, yeah, their Bible. And yeah. Dennis Quaid's like, oh, we have a lot of that in our Bible. So yeah. there's like this universal. And then message. somehow Mickey Mouse gets uh, dragged yeah, into the whole thing, yeah. which is and hilarious. That, that's maybe one of the only because the movie's very dry. 
I feel like any of the humor is super forced. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like the, the dialogue is a little drab and mm. slow and kind of, you, you know, it's it's important, but nothing really grabs you, I think, except for that Mickey Mouse part. I think that's yeah, it's one a of little the, on the nose. It could because I mean, <laughs> maybe because Wolfgang wasn't like an American, you know, wasn't right. used to, it, uh, somebody said this one time. It's like. Um, uh, foreign directors always get America wrong. If you ever watch a movie that's supposed to be about America and the director is new to America, it's always like way too heavy. It, you know what I mean? Like it's always like way too serious. Yeah. There's not enough. Another example like, like that. Because I think of um, well, there's there's one, and I always bring this. I there's a movie called uh, Things We Lost in the Fire, and it's a steaming piece of shit. <laughs> but Benicio del Toro's in it, okay. and he plays a heroin addict who All gets right. cleaned during the movie, and he's fucking amazing. But the movie has like close-ups of like raindrops, and I'm like, get the fuck Too out much. of here! And it's just, yeah, it's just like. Too heavy. It, like I don't think foreigners get like how funny and crazy America is. Like I think they they you know if you ever talk to people from another country like I know like what I like my, we see him down on McDougal Street oh, yeah, my, in a grizzly no, pair. Like my family, I take a couple of them home. Sometimes. My family. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. my family in Italy is like yeah, are they going to are yeah. they going to make us eat like you know bacon and eggs for breakfast? Like they just like yeah. there's a lot of like yeah. uh, like uh, admiration for America, but there's also a lot of like fear. Yeah. Of what America's yeah. really like, and so when foreign directors make movies about America, I feel like they, they it's just too heavy. Uh -huh. Like they don't get like how uh -huh. funny and fun Americans are sometimes. <laughs> and true. so I think that's what it is. It's like it's it's a little heavy. And then of course, like you know, two thirds of the way into the movie, you, like you introduce like the real bad guy, who's yes. Brian James, who's fucking oh amazing God. as the sca quote unquote scavenger. Right. People don't know he's the uh, in the opening scene of Blade Runner. Oh, my, amazing! My mother, Runner. my mother. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. So of all he was time. like played a heavy in a lot of movies, and he died like really young. I think he had a heart attack in his fifties. Yeah. Well, well, he was in um, Fifth Element. He did a so, lot of movies. So you know, he made it, and that was, was now nah, that's dating myself. That, that movie yeah, came yeah. out ninety seven, ninety eight. So oh, okay. he's in both know. Forty Eight Hours. Like he definitely both had Forty Eight Hours. He had a uh, run. Tango and Cash. Yeah, as that's well. Right, that's right. <laughs> like, but big, like imposing, scary guy. Super badass. And he's also like you know the human scumbag. Well, yeah. yeah so basically, they're they find out eventually that they're not necessarily alone. alone. Yeah, yeah. and crazy. there's a, it's a bunch of human scavengers that are basically using the rocks. I can't. I can't yeah, Drax. Yeah, yeah. Drax as yeah. slaves. Uh, to mine for whatever. He finds on a bunch of planet. skulls too. They're yep. being enslaved and treated like shit. But like you see, like they're mining rocks. Yeah, yeah I, what are they make, mining? They never get they, into they that. They melt them down to. It's very strange that this movie's called mm -hmm. uh, that, that makes a reference to a mine that's like never even explored or explored. Oh, I never even got that till just now. Oh, they're there mining. A double entendre there. No yeah. way. Yeah. Yes. I totally did not get that. Yeah, enemy of mine. Yeah, and my, mine, mine, enemy. Enemy's yeah. mine. Yeah. No, but they're mining. That's oh, definitely it, it, intentional. It's an enemy mine. Yes, yeah. mother. Also, I mean, with what mine comp. Right? Oh, do you think? Oh, do you think? I mean, now I'm getting might be, to conspiracy be, theory might land here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, we have the documents. <laughs> Mine lizard. <laughs> we are a bit high. Uh, not Peter. Not, not, not Peter. Me, not me. No, I'm, Pete doesn't do that. Peter's a good boy. I, I do. I'm fighting a cold, is what I'm doing. I'm, uh, but, I'm high but Clarton. To go back to um, before we get into like the, the second and third act of the movie, if you will, um, the uh, creatures mm -hmm. and just in general, like we brought up the Drax, uh, but uh, the 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 sand pit oh so there's like monsters on this uh Monster. where they crash land onto that planet there's like these native monsters basically that you can tell there's a clear distinction between those quote unquote aliens that live there that are just these like beasts and then the 
Dennis Quaid and the two main characters. They're they're they have this like they use them for food the, when the turtle thing gets the or, and, and right, shelter they right. build a shelter. But they out have of this shells. like in lack of a better term humanness about them. The two the two main characters, even though he's an alien, he's yeah. got this like obviously he's got a family. There's like you know you could tell he's he's more civilized. And then they both acknowledge that that there are they're surrounded by these beasts and they yeah. have to like stick together. That's basically what. The planet is hostile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's that the thing that in the hole in the sand, which reminded me of uh, Return of the Jedi. Well, I, what I what I heard is the guy who did the uh, design, the costume design, actually worked on Jedi. That makes oh, sense. There you go. Yeah. So he was borrowing, and I think he worked on Gremlins as well too, which had a lot of animatronics and a lot yeah. of you know, which is practical special effects. Which uh, I mean, I hate to bring this back towards me. It's something I've actually worked on. Uh, Pete, I don't know if you know, I worked on a trauma film. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we summer. were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I worked on uh, the last Lloyd Kaufman film. Oh, uh, well, his final film. He's calling it. Uh, we're hoping that we could convince him to keep working. But if people at home don't know about trauma, uh, Lloyd Kaufman was the director and uh, writer creator of the Toxic Avenger. Oh, uh, okay. Classic eighties schlock. Humor, horror, uh, his company Troma is one of the first independent film companies in America and now one of the last independent film companies because yeah. it really is a dying breed. Uh, I mean, Mir- now that Miramax is gone too, you know, I think Troma is one of the last companies out there that are yeah. still producing and distributing independent art and film. Uh, I've been over to the office there. They have a little DVD warehouse. Now they've really pushed it over into the streaming world. Yeah, you, know, you got to. Trauma, trauma Now yeah, yeah. Uh, is there No, is there like, I, I'm a fan of practical effects. And again, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's more, even though it looks fake, it's more real than all When the done right, though, it, it's like so squeeze. It, it can be stomach turning. Well, yeah, so, we just did The Thing, which is hasn't come out yet, but that's another one that's like practical yeah. effects that makes you... This is the eighties version, the yeah, uh, eighty two, yeah. nineteen eighty two. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's funny because I so yeah. so um um David Fincher was an effects guy on Jedi. Like he was actually oh, I didn't he know was that. in the yeah, so he like he started out as an artist. And I believe James Cameron might have as well. But James Cameron was a truck driver who started like doing effects for Roger Corman, like a PA something like yeah, that. Well, no, yeah, he was like he was always he was like building sets and like building yeah. models and that, that kind of stuff. And it's funny because like you know then you get the Terminator, which is an amazing yeah. movie that uses practical effects. When Arnold's cutting his face open and all. Oh that yeah, yeah. And then you get to you get to Fincher and Cameron later on. Those guys both use digital effects really well, and that you don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. David Fincher like uses it in in a way you don't even notice. Like the 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 Winklevoss twins in. Facebook, in uh, social, social social media. network, that's yeah. digital effects, but you're not. It's no. not fucking explosions and like you know aliens. It's a, it's, uh, I just have to say that's that's one of my favorite movies. Oh, that so movie short, is so incredible, good, incredible. And, even, and Zodiac, I just rewatched for the eight thousand time. I yeah, love that's Zodiac. a great movie too. And he, like the special effects yeah, in that so is like just showing San Francisco in a way that you don't. It's, it doesn't look like it's digital effects. Fincher's Fight Club, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. That, that one, yeah. the digital effect that that airplane crash scene is. Yeah. Still terrified, you know. That's pre nine eleven shit too. Oh yeah, yeah. so no, it's it's cool that those guys like came up during that era where mm-hmm. they would have. It's like uh, it's like when a painter has to learn how to draw perfectly and then develops a style that's like more yeah. abstract. They're influenced clearly it's, by. It's cool that yeah. they learn the real thing first yeah. before then. Then I think they honor it still. And that and that's probably why they can you know adopt digital technology yeah. and make it you know more realistic. They're not these punk kids doing yeah. it now. Exactly. I have an interesting one. You just reminded me of. Something. 
some a theory that I came up with, I think. Uh, so I have a thing where directors who start their career early off doing music documentaries end up going on to become great guys. I can think of three off yeah. the top. One of your favorite Fincher. guys. Oh, well, no, what? Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. Marty Scorsese did The Last Waltz. Yeah, which was... The band, which yep. is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's one of the best classic. music documentaries of all you, time. Uh, Scorsese uh, uh, d- uh, was one of the cameramen on the Woodstock documentary. Even, oh. early, even earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, this next one is uh, Stop Making Sense, which is Talking Heads that's documentary. A, that's another great that's one. That's Todd Demi. No, uh, was John, the director. No, Jonathan, John, sorry, so Jonathan Todd, Demi. Thank you, Jonathan Demi. Uh, I'm retarded. Uh, <laughs> uh, he went on to do Silence of the Lambs, you know. Yeah. So, but one of his first films was uh, a documentary called Stop Making Sense. Yeah. Then you had Todd Phillips, who we all know uh, very well, right, from uh, Road Trip yeah. and uh, from the thousands of soon com- to be the Joker film the with Joker. Joaquin Phoenix. I can't wait to see that. But he started off on uh, Fish. The, their documentary called Bittersweet Motel. That was one of his first movies. So if yeah. you look at that, there's like a strange thing where like guys who work with basically in all three of those bands, you know, I mean, the band was pretty well known, but Talking Heads weren't really that well known. And Fish at the time was kind of still still super niche and unknown. These guys who decided to go take uh, a chance and go live with these rock and rollers, like they said, Scorsese was doing tons of cocaine. Oh, I uh, bet. With yeah. The band, Hell yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, well, a lot of these guys, like not only that, but also music videos. Like Fincher was a music video guy. Yeah. Ridley Scott and Tony Scott were com- making commercials. It's something, and uh, something like Robert Altman. Robert Altman was making like industrial films for years in Kansas City before he came out to Hollywood and started doing. If there's something about like paying your dues, learning the learning the trade, doing it fast and efficiently. And having to do it with with a lot of constraints. Oh, uh, what, what you call from Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, why am I? Going oh, yeah. What is the that director? Name? The director. Uh, oh, uh, the guy that just got his job. Got trouble, yeah. What's why his name? F- I'll look oh, it up right uh, yeah, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name either. He started off with Trauma. He was working oh, really? with Lloyd Kaufman. He worked on Tromeo and Juliet. Why the hell we got Tromeo uh, and Juliet? Tro- yeah, that's incredible. So the film that I'm that I worked on, which is coming out in a, in a few months, is called Shakespeare's James Gunn. Thank you, yeah, James, right. James Gunn. No, that's fine. So James Gunn co-wrote and co-directed uh, Tromeo and Juliet, which was basically Troma's return because you had Toxic Avenger. Sergeant Kabukiman, uh, Surf Ma- Nazis Must Die, Class of Newcomb High in the 80s that got them some popularity. Then they kind of died out. Then what happened was two things. The Toxic Avenger started airing in the early 90s uh, down at the Bleecker Street Movie Theater at midnight. So they used to have like sold out midnight shows of the Toxic Avenger 15 years after its original release. It became a cult classic. And then they came out with this film, Tromeo and Juliet, that was co-written by James Gunn and Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, other guys who started off with Troma, Eli Roth. Oh, wow. Um, Matt uh, Stone and Trey Parker from South Park. Oh, wow. Park. Yeah, of course. Cannibal, the musical. Uh, Troma. Just like bought the right, like you know, they didn't produce that one, but they were the first company to say, Yeah, we'll take this shit and we'll sell it. And that was basically, uh, Matt and Trey give a lot of these guys give Lloyd Kaufman so much, uh, due due to the fact that he took a chance on him or gave him a shot to work. Yeah, and they, yeah. they learned from him, you know. And again, and he's a guy, Lloyd Kaufman, he worked on uh, Rocky with uh, John Adelson. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, he was like, a, he, he had. A major uh, role in that movie, but since he was like either SAG or AFTA, and that was an ind- that was an actually independent film. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky was. Yeah, um, and uh, 
Yeah, so it's cool how, again, that all wraps in with how, you know, like an apprenticeship can lead you on. Like, so oh, if, sure. if, if anyone's out there and you want to get into film, uh, I would say just try to get involved in any way possible with a legit film production or company. Just start to get around that sort of type of people. Even if you're taking a low pay, no pay job, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it could come out. That's what know? I say with, like, with like, like younger comedians ask me, I'm like, if you want to be in the game, be in the game. If you want, it's not just a, you know, it, people, some people that we like say it's like a joke math where it's like, oh, if I only can put this word properly here, everything, <laughs> it's like, no, you're, it's a performance. It's about, it's a, it's a people business, like just hanging around other comedians. Like it's, it's, there's like some osmosis yeah. that happens just being in the world that you want to be in. Yeah. I, I owe any, anything I've ever gotten in comedy. I usually owe to someone that's kind of taking me under their wing or something. Yeah, I mean, you, they got to give you a chance. There's really no other way. Comedians, especially in New York city from what I, I mean, I don't really get out that much besides New York city. Uh, but I, I've found that a lot of the guys that have credits will gladly, if yeah. you're a good person, yep. you know, and you can hang, you know, we're lucky that we're down on McDougal Street over at the Grizzly Pair a lot. You have the Comedy Cellar, the Village Underground, yeah. um, the Fat Black Pussycat, you know, mm -hmm. where you bump into like Judd Apatow on yeah. a regular, you know, Michelle Wolf on a regular day. Mm -hmm. But we get to hang out with guys like Sherrod Small, yeah. Will Silvance, yeah, you know, yeah. Killers, and. Uh, man. You know, shout out to all these guys and like mm -hmm. the uh, Greer Barnes. Greer is such a good guy too. You know, he's yeah. given fucking Greer Barnes gave me comedy advice on one of my bits less than six months into comedy. He yeah. saw me perform at a show and we were talking. He was like, "Hey, you should do this here," and I was like, "What the? Fuck? <laughs> yeah, you better do that." There. I have not. Yeah. I have not not done yeah. what he recommended, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I get killer laughs on yeah, that one. I bet you know, and I'll always he's, give Greer that. I think you know? he's the funniest guy in New York. And I think yeah. he's like I think everybody him like, and tell I would guys say. like our like our sort of generation of comedians like I think we're all like we look to him and we're all like rooting for him like mm -hmm. we want like Greer is like one of the really he, good guys he does need deserve more I feel oh uh, I think it's gonna, yeah. I think it's gonna come yeah I think yeah. I think he's like he's popping up in a lot of stuff yeah. he he acts a lot. Yeah, but I think he's like, yeah. like there's gonna be that, like someone's gonna write a role for him that's gonna really. Oh, you know, actually, I talked to him about a role. I wanna, I wanna do. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to get into filmmaking myself yeah. besides comedy, but it's getting. Yeah. You said um, you were working on something. I, well, I, I used, I had, we finished the film yeah. last summer. Okay. You know, so it's coming out. Uh, it's in post production. We're actually doing uh, a viewing in three this week over at the Film Noir Cinema out in Greenpoint. Okay. Um, and this is called Shakespeare's Shitstorm, trauma, trauma film Shakespeare's Shitstorm. It's based on The Tempest. Nice. So uh, that's, that's a great one. But no, I, I, you know, I am writing a script right now as well. We're trying to punch up uh, with another comedian, uh, Took Adelo. Do you guys uh, know Took Adelo? No, yeah, no, you guys get a chance to like T-O-O-K-E-D-L. OW, she's a great artist and comedian. Um, okay. But no, the, the role that I want for Greer Barnes yeah. is this is the fucking concept. We were so, I was so high when I thought this up. What if Jimi Hendrix didn't die? Oh, uh, wow, there it is. Yeah, dude. And That's like, Greer. Greer would be Jimmy Definitely. in his later stages. 100%. Trying to figure out, like, you know, how rock progressed or, like, you know, like, he kind of be washed like, up a little bit. Crotchety. Yeah. About the new, the new yeah kids. And Greer was like, 
Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Ah. <laughs> He's like, you know, He's like, Andre Kim does his his laugh perfectly. Yeah, shout out to Andre. Yeah, Kim. yeah amazing. Yeah, no, no, that's that sounds like a that's a great idea, dude. And that would be the perfect casting. Hundred <laughs> we'll percent. We'll see if we can get now. Now get Greer his his big star uh, on the Broadway. Uh, I mean, on, on on Hollywood. Oh shit, I'm fucking. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's all. Good. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, he's he's gonna get there. I mean, dude, he's so he's been one of the funniest stand-ups in the world for 10 plus years like uh, i mean he more, deserves it more than that yeah i think yeah. you could find video of him doing def comedy jam in like oh 1994 he's Jeez, wearing like insane. overalls smoking yeah, a Newport yeah, yeah. i was stage. born in 92 Whoa. and he's been crushing for my entire life here's a guy too it's like when i first started off and i got to actually like get lucky to work with some producers who would have him on his show yeah and i'm working with him We'd go into a show, and there'd be a bunch of like younger comedians, unknowns, open micers, a couple of people that have, like have been past places. But we go in and we get a shit crowd at uh, uh, one of these midtown comedy clubs. I don't even want to say their fucking names, but uh, sure it's probably LOL or something. Uh, uh, way <laughs> no, um, there are some good people there, but they're all sure. Yeah, no, no, no. But I don't want to get on. into that whole thing. Oh, we've we'll talked talk about, about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but no, but like we'll, we'll start a show off, and there'll be like twenty five people down there and the first three comedians will have trouble trouble cracking through you know and it's like ah it's tough crowd man this is is whack it's the crowd and then all of a sudden Greer will come down the stairs and then just jump on stage and literally tear the room apart and then all of a sudden we're like oh it wasn't the crowd crowd. it's it's us (laughs) for sure for sure I remember the first time I heard him laugh at something that I said and it was like I was like Kill me now. I'm so happy. <laughs> really. And, and I showed him. A, somehow we started talking about um, like being a kid and, and like dance class and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I, I was really, I wanted to be a tap dancer when I was a kid. Oh my God. Don't, yeah. don't ever say that in public. So I know I did. I really Christ. wanted. That's I, on the internet forever. Yeah. I, was, no, 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 I wanted to be Gregory Hines. He said it before. I wanted right? to be Gregory Hines yeah, Gregory, when I was a kid. He was cool. Peter's and, uh, a guy who has no shame for I really don't reason. have shame for this. So I have, I have my recital. So I, I was like, Mom, I want to, I want to be Gregory Hines. I want to do tap dance. So she signed me up for this, this tap class, and it was me and like thirteen nine-year-old girls. And our <laughs> recital song was "The Wind Beneath My Wings" by Bette Miller. Oh my God. And our recital outfit was like literally tight with a turquoise, <laughs> a turquoise blouse, a turquoise bandana, and everything had just like splashes of neon color everywhere. So I have a photo of me like on oh, on no. one knee. And I showed Greer that photo. He goes, yo, that's your album cover. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. He's right, dude. That is your album cover. I was like, you really you think so? He goes, oh, 100%. Dude, like, you couldn't make this shit up if you tried. Yeah. Right How there. are you not that doing is... that story on stage? I, I say it a, little, talk I, about it a little bit. And you're not high. No, never. You don't do it. No. <laughs> I, 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 I said this before, but as, as my one buddy said, he goes, you're, what did he say? He just said, um... You're the you're the spaciest guy I know who never did any hard drugs. Yeah, yeah. Did you get hit in the head? No, you were a tap dancer. Yeah, you wouldn't play football or anything. That's good. No, <laughs> I, I wasn't a tap dancer. I no, took I'm, a tap class. I'm, I'm never gonna bring that up again. I promise. I, no, it's, it's not never I mean, in front of a group of comedians. That I'm was sure my. You guys talk about like your what your dream was as a kid. My dream was to be Gregory Hines, and it's funny. <laughs> and it was I and like and or or Richard Pryor. I always say like Richard. You know, Richard Pryor grew up in a in a whorehouse, and. Uh, his dad was a pimp, and yep. his, his his grandmother was a madam. I was like, that sounds like an I- ideal childhood. Yeah, like I can't. Gregory Hines, I saw just the other day, not in person. Uh, I, I obviously I, I rest have, in peace. Uh, He's been dead for twenty five years. <laughs> 20, twenty, at least twenty years. Um, it, he has a cameo in Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah, we were talking about it. What? I, what? How? Yeah. No, it's, I ran. Into, 
Who we ran to each other. And he goes, you, you know, you know, there's another great movie from the '80s that holds up. Muppet oh, I, takes. That's Manhattan. right. That's what, you know. I was bombed uh, down on McDougal. No, when I that. no. But yeah, no. But it, it holds up. So uh, weird that I ran to you that one time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I have Pluto TV at home. I'm a cord cutter. So shout out to a few folks. Hell know, yeah! I, mean, no, I, I know mean, of it. Are, are they uh, one of your sponsors here? Maybe? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. If you're listening, we'll take it. But we're yeah, Pluto there. TV, um, and it, like movies will pop on, and they'll, they'll pop on like old school i love this whole i don't like the on-demand thing there's something about coming into a movie about 20 minutes into it a movie that you know and you're like oh shit i haven't there's a great familiarity here and i'm gonna i'm I'm in you know like i watched like gangs of new york the other day yeah uh, about a half hour in and Mm -hmm. just went along for the ride with commercials too you know like i'm okay with that because i can go do something on a Saturday. You're kind of tidying up or whatever. You know? So you hit on a, a, a real nerve for me, which is uh, serendipity is gone. You used to stumble upon songs. You used to stumble upon movies. Yeah. And now you can just get whatever you want. Yeah. And you want to talk about like Dennis Quaid being a scumbag and enemy mind? Human beings are shit. If you just give us everything that we want, we're not we're not good. We're, the tracks we're, were right, bro. We're bad. Absolutely. Yeah. The tracks were do we think right. Do you think Dennis Quaid's good? Is good in this movie? I can't. He, he turns. He, he becomes turns. very yeah. good. No, no. Yeah. Is he a good actor? I can't oh, decide if oh. I think he's a. I yeah. sometimes I love him and sometimes I think he's a terrible actor. I think he is. I think Dennis Quaid's a good actor. I, I, so I like Inner Space is a great. He he's tremendous in Inner yeah. Space. Yeah. Way better in that film. Uh, the right stuff. Yeah, right. that I still have never seen. I'm dying to see that. Yeah, movie, but that's not really a great showcase of his acting talent. This this would have been his like you know his moment to shine, and I feel like he didn't. So he's a little cheat. He's more yeah. cheesy than necessary in this. But movie. he was hot shit back then too. Yeah, yeah. He yes. a lot of yeah. films. I think Louis Gossett Jr. is amazing in this movie. I think he's a good. Oh, movie. this is like the performance of his career. Well, that's what, I, that's what I read. O- Officer and a gentleman. Yeah, he won the Oscar. The only for that. Other thing. So you think okay. maybe that would be the performance of his yeah. career? I don't know. Oscar, Oscar, I'm sorry. Oscar's I mean, a bullshit. I mean, a, Iron Eagle one and two. I think yeah, it's pretty on, great. Iron Eagle two was fucking like hardcore. Yeah. Jason Gedrick, another guy mm-hmm. lost to the '80s, um, who starred in. But no, no. As far no, so yeah, because because okay, I would you know I'll backtrack and somewhat agree with you here. I was parroting <laughs> opinions I read online. Well, from what I mean, because the fact that he had to create that voice, right. he had to figure a way to make that character. Like I, I had seen an uh, interview, probably a similar one to Pizza, where he was moving a certain way with flat feet mm. the whole time because he was reptilian, you know. So yep. he really that's where his acting came out where he got creative uh and i heard somewhere they were like here's a script and he's like so i have no lines (laughs) okay great i got it you know what i mean it's all just by the way pretty good impression i I can't believe it took me you know this long into the podcast to break out my drac impression because now i'm just now i'm recalling this was a movie that you know it definitely does hold up for me in general because it held like i loved it as a kid and then when we were in college you know, I, this is something that we somehow I had a VHS of, and we would get super stoned and watch, and like I'd be able to put people onto it, yeah. and then we'd be walking around going like, <laughs> yeah. that's really good. Dude. That's really good. That's hilarious. That's exactly. And it's what like it sounds like. doing voices. Is that like, and I because I, you know, the reason why I'm good at that is because, or thank you guys for complimenting <laughs> it, is because me and my cousin, when we were kids, like we were the same age, we'd be doing that sort of shit, trying to like parrot. Yeah. And mimic stuff and just dick around. So a lot yeah. of early, uh, a lot of um, 
uh, comedians when they're like you know kids. That's the first joke they make is just like an impersonation of something. Oh God, I was thinking of you last night. I, I don't want to shoot anybody. <laughs> I, I hate impersonations. And this this comic last night, like he was doing Christopher Walken. I was like, wow, that's real cutting oh, edge. Oh, dude, that's terrible. Real well, cutting yeah. edge. What are you doing? Wait, is this a New York comedian? I don't. I've never met know? him before. And I, I, uh, all right, so because because all right, because I got this was shout out. Out, this was outside the city. Oh, okay, so so Zach Petrovich. Uh, oh, he's great. You know, he does a walk-in, but he does like this thing where it's walk-in versus Tony Soprano. That his and, he does and, a, so yeah he gets away with it because he definitely adds also an extra Zach level is to just it. such a fucking psycho he's yeah. so funny he's, on he's stage a bo- dude. he's a boxer yeah yeah, yeah. he's a, a fucking, fucking maniac dude. yeah and he's twenty four but he looks like he's thirty eight oh, <laughs> it, it hurts him when we say that we should know, not yeah. constantly bring that up should we not say that? no it hurts it, like, it, it, it can't make him feel good that everybody thinks he's fifteen years older than he is uh, can we say that a lot he kind of has a yeah. uh, uh, Brian uh, what's his name from Enemy Mind here the the Brian James Brian he kind of has a Brian James this to him yeah it's big you know? and could be he's like better scary. looking than Brian also like Brady. a Gandolfini where it's like he could be sure. like really scary and imposing we, we were talking he should be the one playing Gandolfini I, in the in the I prequel he to said the he had I mean not to burst any bubbles if it didn't work out but I think he said that he had gotten some calls to uh maybe not be Gandolfini's character but to maybe potentially get into that oh, I hope so yeah so, again yeah. I don't want to love Zach man Rude we don't want to you know, counter eggs before they hatch are we uh, you got anything you want to plug Mr. Lewis yeah sure I mean my Instagram is at Stevie Lou comedy uh, how do you spell Stevie S-T-E-V-I-E L-E-W because I'm Stephen Lewis okay um, I'm also over at Ivy House Studio out in Brooklyn so if you check out Ivy House Studios we do a 420 friendly comedy show nice. every other Wednesday out at Ivy House Studio so the best bet is to just look up Ivy House Studio at uh, on Instagram and send us a message over there every other Wednesday um so that's not this Wednesday. The following, this is the sixteenth. Uh, it's Father's Day, actually. Shout out to my pop, and I want to shout out my pops, actually. Yeah. Shout out to Dad, Big Stevie Lou, uh, <laughs> Senior. I'm actually gonna uh. go. I'm, you know, it's it's funny. My mom's out of town. He's all, all alone at home, so we're gonna go get some pizza and go see a movie tonight, man. Nice. Because you know, I, you know, that actually is a great way to end this. Is that my father was the one who really put me on to Enemy Mind. Oh, wow. He was always one to be like, yo. He, he, I remember I watched Predator with him at a very young mm. age, and yep. I knew like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this, mm. but he's like, nah, this is okay. That's always yeah. a great moment. So, you know, and with, he was he was a pretty strict guy, yeah. But he would always let some movies slide, like Dreamscape is another one, you yeah. know, that he allowed yeah. me to watch. So uh, he was a great influence. Influence on uh, you know me, even though you wouldn't be able to tell it really if you met him. <laughs> uh, he was a very you know well-read guy and a uh, hardcore dude. So shout out to my pops, man. Oh nice. yeah, yeah. And happy. so that next show will be uh, the following Wednesday, which would be Wednesday, June. Uh, yeah, if you have a calendar, twenty fifth, I believe. But yeah, let me, let me, so let yeah, me make sure. Yeah, if we pull that up. Yeah, so Might not this one. The twenty sixth. Yeah, so June twenty sixth, and then every other Wednesday. I'm trying. Right. We're, I'm actually we're trying to get it weekly because it's actually been a good time. And, and uh, Pete and uh, both you, Alex, will both get you. I guys would love out, to come hang, out there yeah. on a Wednesday. And no, no, we'll get you some spots too because it's a good great. show. They actually, it's a great thing because we get a crowd there. We actually have an audience there. And um, Julie, shout out to Julie over at Ivy House. She does put it up on uh, Bad Slava, you know, the open yeah. light page. But yeah. the funny thing is, like, this place is a little bit off the beaten path, and it's a ten clock Wednesday night mic so like you, the only micers that end up walking through the door for the first time got a little bit of you know chutzpah to them okay. so we get a few open micers 
then I have a bit of like a, a regular cast of yeah. actual comedians, yeah, you know, sure, who are sure, out sure. there who'll come out. Um, so uh, Phil Causey comes out all the time. So please, yeah. Dope. We'll, we'll check it out. All right, man. Thanks for coming out. I, oh, thank uh, you, guys. I'm going to be at Yonkers Comedy Club on Friday the 28th uh, featuring, I believe. Nice, uh, so dude. That's cool. Yeah, that's my first time doing a weekend show there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Alex. Yeah, so my show's going to have already been done, but thanks for coming to Aggressively Chill yeah, on Wednesday, June 19th. You'll all be there. You'll all see Alex uh, in person. Yeah, and uh, I got um, Crystal Comedy uh, uh, with, um, with Ed, with Ed and, and, um, Scotty and Scotty Lavelle in Good Brooklyn. Guys. Yeah. yeah, that's at, um, uh, what is it called? Crystal something Brooklyn? Crystal Street, Brooklyn. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's in Brooklyn, First time guys. you, first it's, time me. It is, uh, it's Sunday, June 23rd, so uh, we'll see if, if this comes out before that or not, but if not, that's a irrelevant promo. Yeah. I got nothing going on, guys. I'm just trying <laughs> to uh, sound important, but uh, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah. All right. What do we got? Bye. Bye. <laughs>